Before there was IMDB.com, there was Zach and Dustin. You know those guys who think they know everything about a movie without having to go on the internet to look it up? That's us, but maybe only for the years 1981 through mid-1989. No, I'd say late 1978 through early 1992. (laughs) Either way, we know movies. And even more specifically, we know soundtracks from those movies. Yeah. This is $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. This is the podcast where we pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it still holds up today. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Thanks for listening. On to the show. He wasn't just good. He was the best. I'm going to sell every option I can get. What are you doing, Jim? I know what I'm doing. How bad is it? I lost it all. Everything. Rex over. Jack Casey's just landed. Seventh Avenue, two together, go! I don't have half of what you have. In a world where the pressure's off. I'm on the street, I, I feel good, man. I, I feel exhilarated. I go as fast as I like. Street sign says one way east, I go west. Now, Jack Casey's climbing back. Get out! His way. I'm staying with it! When you have nothing left, all you really need is the courage to get it back. Kevin Bacon. Quicksilver. Hey, everybody. It's time for another episode of $2 Late Fee. What is up? (laughs) Coming at you hot. It's it's high energy. Uh, Today's movie, (laughs) Quicksilver, starring the one and only... Kevin Bacon, um, he's French, that's why I pronounce it that way, and um, and the song from the movie is called Lightning by Roger Daltrey. Ow! This is called Lightning. We won't get fooled again. Yes. Um, we won't get fooled again of maybe watching this movie again? We just watched this movie, you and I, like right before we recorded this. This is the first episode where we've just watched the movie and rolled right into the recording. And I'm and I'm I need to be upfront and I need to say that, you know, I loved this movie Uh-oh. as a child when it premiered in 1986. Yes. Another movie from 1986. Premiered on Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. Take your lover <laughs> to see Kevin Bacon. That's that was the tag, I'm sure. Um <laughs> And I just feel a little bit like puzzled by it now, having just watched it. Like really? things that I thought were cool um, were not as cool. And <laughs> story-wise, I was a little bit uh, confused at points. Yeah, I could see that. Um, Kevin Bacon plays a character named Jack Casey, who was Smiling a, Jack Casey. Smiling Jackie, which we learned just like... At the end of the movie, yeah. that's his nickname. Yeah, um, <laughs> Jack Casey is an arrogant stock trader, stockbroker. What is he? Yes. Yeah, something like that. Yes, stock, 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 stock. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's a stock man. He's arrogant as arrogant as shitballs, yes. and he loses all his money and becomes a bike messenger. After he's on in the taxi, uh, in the beginning of the film, being. Take, racing a bike messenger, he gets inspired or something. It's right? interesting, right? Because yeah, because uh, yeah. yeah, when um, interesting. when he sees the bike messenger, well, when I say it's interesting, I mean that when that scene was happening and he saw the bike messenger, I thought he, as somebody who also rode a bike, was like, "Oh, look at this guy." Oh, I connect with but him. But no, this was like, "Oh, I've never seen a bike before. <laughs> this is a bike racing a taxi. Can you believe a bike can race a taxi and win?" And ha 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 ha. And then the guy that beats the taxi. Loses his beret, and then that becomes Kevin Beret. Kevin's beret for the entire. <laughs> it becomes Kevin Beret. <laughs> uh, not to be confused with Michael Perret. Oh yes, um, who uh, at some point we're gonna have to do yeah. a Michael Perret movie. That, that that is a that is a guarantee for sure. But yeah, he gets inspired by this uh, 
this this guy that he races in San Francisco, mind you, because you were a little confused. Well, at I first. don't know. I'm still I'm still honestly confused because you have some San Francisco streets. Yes. You have some Los Angeles streets. Yes. You have some New York streets, and every one of his bike messenger friends is doing like a New York accent. Like, hey, what's up, Jack? Yeah. Hey, Jack. What's, hey, we got to get these guys. What's up? So. <laughs> Uh, yes. So, so I think I went in a little bit groundless cause I was like, where are we? Yeah. Like I recognize that as San Francisco. That's an LA street sign. That's a New York cab. And that's, uh, you know, New York B-roll. And in one moment there was California license plates. And the next moment there are New York license plates. And right. And presumably he's at Wall Street. Yeah. Well, you know, the stock exchange in San Francisco. Know. You know, uh, the, the, the fact that they, they did apparently film this um, in the Stock Exchange building in San Francisco. Um, it was fairly new, apparently, and it was kind of a big deal that they could film in this location. Yeah, the Pacific Stock Exchange. Okay. Um, they, they really give no sense that this is San Francisco necessarily uh, there, there's like no shots of the Bay. Well, the finale has the Bay Bridge in it. Um, right. There's no iconic. But there's no like Golden Gate Bridge. But then again, there's no um, Statue of Liberty. You know, there's no icons of e- either side I, of the coast. I would say, too, there probably weren't many aerial shots, right? No, actually, you're right. They never had any like like over the city high it, shots. This is all low. Yeah. Um, they barely did exterior shots You're right. to establish where they were sometimes. Like Kevin Bacon's place, we never saw an exterior shot. The diner, we just kind of peered into the window, but most of the time they started up from the inside. Um, yeah, so all of those scenes where I was like, oh, now this is like seven scenes over the course of one night. <laughs> you were really there confused There were never any that. exterior... Yeah. yeah, at one point I had to stop. I had to stop watching because I was like, wait a minute. He did it with his parents at 5.30 and then... He immediately went. I'm going to get flustered because I'm because I'm flustered. Well, no, no. Let's let's backtrack a little bit. Let's unpack this because, uh, as they say, uh, one of his best buddies in the movie, uh, once he becomes a bike messenger, is played by Paul Rodriguez, uh, Hector, right? And Paul Rodriguez, I think I said this earlier. He he, I really he's a really good actor, like a very believable. Uh, I, I like. I want to hang out with him. I felt like he was just a kind of, you know, like a cool guy, you know. And he's trying to his dream. He's trying trying to achieve his dream of owning a, a hot dog vending stand. Um, and there's a great scene in the movie where they're eating a hot dog, and Kevin Bacon clearly does not have a hot dog in his bun, which leads me to believe that he's a vegetarian, possibly. I'm giving it a lot more credit than it's due, <laughs> but. Like- Back in the day, they had no way of like even pretending yes. for him to eat a hot dog. You either have he a can't hot have dog, a hot dog in the bun, so you can't even pretend to eat it. Hey, uh, I'll take a veggie dog. It's here's your bun. Get you know, reportedly, <laughs> Kevin Bacon called this movie the low point of his career, and I wonder if it's because they were like they they think I'm such a bad actor that they won't even give me a real hot dog to pretend that I'm eating. A real hot dog. Can't you give me a tofu dog? Didn't they have those um, back then? I don't know. I don't know. But but back to your point. Yes, yes. Paul Rodriguez is clearly the nicest, kindest, most confident in the goodness of people character. In the He's movie, not yes. a cynic. Nope. He's, uh, I just realized Paul Rodriguez plays a character named Hector Rodriguez. Whoa. They just really. Um, <laughs> Going for it there. Get me somebody named Rodriguez. It's also a Gabe Kaplan character who they named in homage to yes. uh, Welcome Back, Cotter, which to me is my favorite sitcom of all time. So, oh, is it? Yeah, I love that oh, sitcom. I didn't know that. That and Three's Company, but that's a whole other story. Um, I love some some Three's Company misunderstandings. <laughs> I love when I find myself in a Three's Company misunderstanding. Like, yeah, wait, too. you thought that behind the door that I was doing what? No, I was no. I was just uh, organizing coins, not not giving a foot massage to Mrs. <laughs> Garrett. Um, Mrs. Garrett, it's totally wrong. Whoa, you're, whoa, you're I, having a whole I, Matrix I, moment right now. I'm facts of life and different strokes <laughs> at the same time. You're having a different um, stroke of life. But uh, Hector, Hector, yes. So Hector <laughs> wants a loan. He wants to open a hot dog stand, and I just, I just got a little flustered by the fact that. Jack had taken the bike to go have dinner 
with his parents. I'm saying it's 5.30 because I'm just assuming, but the son was down. Yeah. He's eating with his parents. We know it's taken him a long time to get from his place to his parents on a bike because dad has said that in the scene. What? It's great. How long did you get here? I would have driven you. Um, <laughs> then in the next scene, he's, uh, you know, he leaves his parents in like a huff, but he does eat dinner. They eat dinner. Yeah. eat a whole meal. He leaves. We presumably, don't see them do that. We don't see them. Eat the whole meal? No. Well, didn't he like, he was like wiping his face with a napkin there, there was or dessert. something? The mom had just cleared the tables already and there's like bunt cake on the table. Okay. So we know, we know that, we know that a, a, an entree was eaten. I'm sure. Yes. Maybe a side. Um, <laughs> he leaves dinner. Then in the next scene, he's at the diner with Hector. Back of the diner. Back yeah. of the diner. He had been at the diner already once today, but he's back at the diner after dinner having maybe second dinner, maybe just coffee, I don't know, with Hector, who has not gotten the loan. Oh, uh, Hector's eating a hot dog now. Oh, right, Hector's and eating ha- a hot dog. And Hector says, have you ever had one of these things? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, 20 minutes earlier, oh, they're at a hot dog stand. My God. I'm just saying. Oh, my God. And then I wonder, <laughs> like, this is the point where I'm like, as an audience listening to this, are you guys feeling like, oh, I need to know this movie, I need to watch this movie again. Maybe this will make you want to watch this movie again. It's free on Amazon Prime. It's, so fr- it's free. It costs you nothing. Except just, your time. Just an hour and 45 minutes of your life. Um, but really, you could... That's that's nothing. Um, so, then he's, so then he's with Hector. And then, and then the next scene... I've already forgotten the next scene, but it's like another, it's like another night scene. Oh, he goes to the art gallery. Yeah, they're at the art gallery. So he has dinner. He has another dinner. Then he goes to the art gallery, his girlfriend's art gallery. He's in a different outfit every single scene. scene. Every every scene he's in a different outfit. And then (laughs) he goes from the art gallery to... Back to his house. Back... He he finally goes home, and then he starts working on special um, Spock's broker... Well, formulas. Yeah, and that's when uh, Terry, uh, played by Jamie Gertz, the amazing Jamie Gertz, uh, who we're introduced to earlier in the film, is kind of being like a, a, a drifter, could be a teenager, like a tomboy, tomboyish, runaway. runaway beauty who shows up at his house uh, looking for a place to crash for the night. Yeah, and it, and that's very presumptuous to me because she <laughs> you said had, it out loud. You're like, that's very presumptuous. She has only been to his place one other time when she got into a bike accident, and he said, "I will fix your bike wheel." So he brings her back to his place to fix the bike wheel. He's he's getting a little fancy on the bike. His girlfriend walks in. He does not introduce his girlfriend as his girlfriend. He no. says, "This is my friend." They get in a little bit of a fight. Clear, I understandably. Yes, so. Jamie Gertz leaves awkwardly, and then from there, she's like, "I would like to spend the night here <laughs> uh, because you have a big place, and I thought you have a big place, so I'll just I'll just take a little corner or whatever. You know, your girlfriend won't mind. I just think that's very yeah. That's just very you know. And she does say like they clearly thought about this in the screenplay. She's like. I was going to call you, but you don't have a phone. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, you know, because in my mind, why didn't you fucking call? <laughs> um, before you're going to just spend the night on someone's couch. It's just weird. It's just. It was a weird exchange. I don't to be angry about no, it. No, no. Like, <laughs> well, it's, yeah. it's funny because, I mean, I, I, I remember when we were discussing, like, the next movie we were going to watch, which, what, what was it going to be and why, and. I have like a lot of fond memories of this movie as a kid. I remember as a kid wanting to be Kevin Bacon, idealizing this movie way more than it needs to, should be idealized. Um, It's funny how your 10 year old brain works versus your 40 some odd brain works. When you look at something and you go, you you pick up the the pieces that you only should only want. I wish I could do that now in life. Only picking up the pieces of the things I want. Yeah. Because I'm watching him going, he's got a badass bike. Uh, I really dig his style. Yep. There's, there's a great song in this movie and there's a great montage bike race scene. And that's all I need. Yeah. This really kind of speaks to, I feel like a point you made in a previous podcast that we did where it was like, you know, we're really captured, captured, we're really enthralled by this time period. And that, you know, it is, it's like the fashion, yeah, the music, the aesthetics, it's cool bike, 
Kevin Bacon seems like just like a cool guy. Like I remember yeah. him being like, oh, he's kind of like he's a guy like a cool guy. Like, he's, you know, a like swagger. He's, he's got it together. He's a little vulnerable. I mean, he's arrogant at first, but then he's a little vulnerable, and you're like, oh, it's kind of cool. But like, uh, this whole thing where he's involved with this the gypsy guy, the drug who's, dealer, who's a drug dealer or an arms dealer, a pimp. I, I don't know. He does a little of both. Yeah. Um, Works alone, drives the streets, knows where every bike messenger lives for some reason. <laughs> Utilizes, it's like this whole thing that like, that the gypsy will utilize a bike messenger to do his quote, dirty work yeah. for them. He'll pay them a lot of money, uh, which he's doing with, with Lawrence Fishburne, Larry Fishburne. Larry Fishburne in the time, yeah. Um, who plays Voodoo, another bike messenger who Kevin Bacon has like a love-hate thing with. Um <laughs> And a great race. That is a great race. It is a great that race. They, that they do throughout, uh, clearly, San Francisco at that point. Yeah. Um, but it's this strange thing where, like, this gypsy guy is like, well, he just, like, calls out to bike messengers, like, I call, you listen, <laughs> or you answer. And then uh, his accent is not like that. No. No. And he, he has a mumble, too. He's got a stutter mumble. A stutter mumble. Yeah, a stutter. Um, which I, we were trying to figure out whether that was uh, intentional like or not. Like a character choice. I think it actually might have been a character yeah. choice. Um, but anyways, I digress. No, but I, I just feel like it's like, like I, I'm, I call, you answer. I give you deliveries. You deliver them. But then it, it just digresses for some reason where... He's just spending all of his time, like, kind of, like, following them around. And uh, and then when it comes to Jamie Gertz, he's, like, strangely obsessed with her. And then uh, suddenly, like, do you want to go to a prostitute party? Or I, I don't... He insinuates something <laughs> yeah, sexual and bad. Um, and then, you know, she stabs him in the leg and... With a box cutter. With a box cutter. Which makes total sense, though, by the way. Because every messenger would have a box cutter. Right. Because when you open the packages that you're delivering... Yeah. Just yeah. to see what they are. <laughs> I mean, who you doesn't? Need to, uh, you need a tool with which to do that. Yes. Um, but I, I don't um, I, I don't really understand why this gypsy guy like this just is just not not really flushed out to me at all. Like I don't I don't understand. You know, he's he's making it elite. We know big money dealing arms. Um and then he's just kind of wandering around. We see him like buying cat food at one point. Cat and, food, and, like, toilet paper, and orange soda. <laughs> like a, it may have been strawberry. It was yeah. very pink. Yeah. Um, Maybe it was the color adjustment on your television. Yeah. <laughs> right? It may have been. It may have been. I, I, color I think adjust, it was grape. <laughs> I color adjust uh, my sodas uh, a, little, a little lighter. Um, but at its core, right? Kevin Bacon witnesses a murder. He witnesses a hit and run. Yeah. This gypsy guy runs down Voodoo, Lawrence yeah. Fishburne's character. Why do you think Kevin Bacon never goes to the police? That's a great question. He never goes to the police. Um, they don't call the police after uh, Terry gets the crap kicked out of her by Gypsy. They just, there's no police in this movie at all. There's no police presence. Yeah. yeah whatsoever. Um there's like a lawlessness that goes on. Maybe that's a, I mean, everything's, everything is implied, yeah. right? Or left up to the viewer, <laughs> which yeah. I always feel is like a lack of right storytelling, but except with the exception of John Carpenter, but that's a different story. Um, <laughs> he, yeah. This idea that, okay, bike messengers are lone rangers, right? They're on their own and they've got to deal with things yeah. their way, yeah. their style, uh, their ruth, you know, they're, they're, they, they, they live off the streets, so they've got to maintain that street cred and not let the man bring them down. I don't know. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah, well, it's, I, I just think it's a weird thing because he witnesses the murder. Gypsy witnesses him witnessing the murder, yeah. does nothing at that nothing. point. And then it's just like really like mad at Kevin Bacon, but not really, but stalking Kevin Bacon for no reason. And like, because maybe Kevin Bacon didn't like vo uh, gyp, uh, voodoo all that much. Because, you know, he has that big yeah. race with Larry Fishburne's character, Voodoo, and they, uh, it culminates with uh, Voodoo getting, yeah, hit by Gypsy, and then the race is over. But pr right prior to that, maybe five seconds before, uh, Voodoo pushes Kevin Bacon's character up a ramp and could have conceivably uh, 
yeah, pos- her, you know, a bruised a rib or bruised something. a rib or or worse, yeah, <laughs> some serious injury, and he just kind of laughs it off like oh, that's what it is, what it is. And meanwhile, there's like six hundred dollars on the table, you know, that the, that his other bike messengers bet on him to, to to beat him in the race. Yeah, right. Well, this race starts because Kevin Bacon's talking to Paul Rodriguez or Hector Rodriguez. Uh, Paul Rodriguez playing Hector Rodriguez, mm-hmm. and and uh, Kevin Bacon is giving Hector Rodriguez some advice on what collateral means. And then Lawrence Fishburne is like, Psh, whatever, just because he's white doesn't mean he knows what money is. Anyway, and then somehow this like just divul- diverges into like a, like a, oh yeah, well he could beat you in a race any day. Because that has and, everything to do with stocks. Right, and then they just start throwing, <laughs> people are just throwing $100 bills on the table all yeah. of a sudden. Everybody's just got $100 bills. And they're like, I want in on some of that action. Jack will win. <laughs> Then they, yeah, then they don't set the parameters of this race. Nope. Suddenly it's like dawn, yep. and then they're racing through empty streets, but then the streets aren't empty. Uh, Voodoo cheats in every way possible during this race. Yeah. Every way possible. And Jack, uh, you know, he, he, he pushes on. Yeah. Doesn't give up. Doesn't give up. And then it's just like, ah, oh, Voodoo, that crazy guy. He got me. He pushed me into a, into a flatbed. And, <laughs> yeah. then, um, and then, yeah, and then Voodoo gets run down. And uh, Jack seems to be traumatized by it. And then he's just like, no, back to work. I'm not going to call the cops. And uh, meanwhile, I'm going to work on two of the other major plots that are going on in this movie. My family, uh, or three, there's like four plots going on. His parents, he's at odds with his parents because he lost all their money in the stock stock exchange. Um, He's dealing with the love triangle between his girlfriend and this 17-year-old girl, Terry. And then he's got uh, voodoo gypsy on his ass uh, wanting to kill him for witnessing a murder. And on top of that, he's trying to help Hector get his uh, taco stand or his, wow, his hot dog stand. Forgot already. Um, and, you know, so there's a lot going on, actually, if you think about it in this movie. Were you being like... Um uh, subconsciously racist. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of subconscious like, racism. What do Mexicans know about hot dogs? That's what I'm saying here. And why is that a big thing in San Francisco? Yeah, I don't see yeah. it. I used to live up in the Bay yeah. Area. I didn't see a lot of hot dog vendors in San Francisco, but, you know, I saw that more yeah. of a New York thing. Yeah. There's a lot of like... Right, because a, it's in New York. That's the thing. There's a lot of, yeah, inherently yeah. kind of racist comments yeah. in this whole thing. This, the, the whole, this, this is a very racist movie. <laughs> it is, actually... It really is. What's the, there's like one line where he's like, Jack's like, I'm going to quit while I was ahead. And he's like, I didn't know you were Jewish or, or, <laughs> yeah. or something like that. Or something. Uh, it's just super, it's super offensive. Jack, and, and, I would have, I would have, I would have figured you were Jewish if uh, knowing you'd be a, a, a quitter or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. And then yeah. he says to uh, Hector, uh, Jack says to Hector at one point, "You, you Mexicans never give up, or something, yeah, something it's, like that." It's so terrible. Yeah, it's it's really, uh, yeah. I was like, <laughs> "Whoa, whoa, now!" But at its heart, at yeah. its core, it's about a man who uh, has everything, loses everything, right, and learns to gets a second lease on life. Yeah, and seems to understand that he does yeah. in his defense. Yeah. Like he really. Bacon portrays that very well. I feel like a guy who, like, yeah, he knows. That. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yep. And and you know the, the culmination uh, of uh, the 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 bike versus car scene at the end. Yeah. It, it's it's uh, you know with with Gypsy taking quite a header off of the Bay Bridge, the constructed Bay Bridge. Uh, it was pretty memorable. Because the car just gets destroyed and <laughs> destroyed. Yeah, he's just like a man on a mission. Like I will run down Kevin Bacon no and, matter what. And once that's cleared out of the way, it's like, oh, okay, on to like the happy ending. Yep. It's got this silly, you know. Who? Uh, yeah. Who do you think got the hundred dollars once Voodoo was run down? Like, that's a great question. Yeah. What do they do with all the money? Do yeah. they give it back to everybody? And then who? I mean, I like to think they gave it to Voodoo's family. If he had family. Yeah, that they that they sought them out. And yeah. Like, this is all for you. <laughs> because he died doing a fucking race that we bet money on. <laughs> yeah. um, Meanwhile, yeah. your son was a drug dealer. And Gypsy ran him down uh, because he was taking money from him or something like that. Skimming. Skimming. Yeah. Skimming from the Shorten pot. Shorten him. Yep, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but there, um, there are some great 
bike scenes in this film. There's a great montage of a bike dance-off kind of thing. Good, good, good montage. There's a lot of fun montages. The song in the movie, uh, Lightning by Roger Daltrey, is such a, it's a great song. It's, it's such a great kind of like anthem, uh, get your blood going, workout song. Because you and I both are fans of like that workout yeah. music. Oh, yeah. But every song outside of that is not really good. But in my yeah. in my opinion, yeah, uh, it's just kind of it's it, they feel like all they're, they're all B sides, like they just kind of skimmed from whatever they had in the vaults. Yeah, you know, oh, we'll take this one. This is an upbeat song. This is an upbeat song. Nothing really kind of stuck with us. I would agree with that. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, but lightning. But I guess that more to the point of the song that we're talking about. That song, you don't maybe need another song outside of that. And then the synth soundtrack. On top of it, do you do you know was this song Lightning? This I mean, I this was one of those like he was contracted to do this for the movie, right? Yeah, it, they wrote this movie for they wrote this song for for the movie. For the movie, um, the the music video which you can find on YouTube is 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 terrible. Uh, it shows Roger Daltrey in the recording studio recording it. I think it's only available on like his anthology CD. And if you can track down an old copy of the Quicksilver soundtrack, which at the, you know I remember get, remember as a kid finally finally finding it at a we had this record store by my house called Rainbow Records, such a cool spot Rainbow Records. They had the best selection of like those little pins you know that you uh-huh. put on your jacket, yeah, and the patches and on the, your denim, my on your denim, yeah. on your colors, yeah. And um, I remember finally getting the soundtrack on cassette and putting it in my Walkman and. The first song coming up, Lightning by Roger Daltrey, and then every song after that being just a complete waste of time. And it was the same feeling I had when yeah. I got the Iron Eagle soundtrack, which had the great song One Vision by Queen on it, but then the rest of the soundtrack is a bunch of drivel that wasn't even in the movie to begin with. It, right. That's so disappointing. That's really criminal. It's yeah. really dumb because you're just like, oh, I, I love all these songs in the movie, and then they're not on the soundtrack, and you're like, what? And then they like, get some contracting thing or whatever. Um, the nice thing, I guess, about about Lightning being the first track was that you could you didn't have to fast forward to find it. No, you know, I would just rewind it. Just rewind. Yeah, it. because sometimes they did that. Sometimes yeah. they would put the best song, four songs in. Yeah. And on a cassette, that's a nightmare. You got what a waste. You know, oh, too too far. Too, too, uh, and if you don't yeah. have that number count no. on your Walkman, yeah. which I, I if you didn't have an Iowa, yeah. then you were screwed. Yeah. You know, because Sony didn't do that. Then nope. you'd have to wait the whole time. You know, nope. or you'd have to, to flip it over and just kind of go for it. Yeah, and you just want to hear that one song. Yeah, yeah. But those those movies, like they didn't get it. I feel like, and I feel in many ways, our generation's trying to fix that because that's why we put these things up on YouTube, and then we can yeah. <clears throat> borrow it from. Uh, you know, <laughs> and and these these like Fast Times had the same deal. Uh, heavy Metal had the same deal. I, I I get that, but but like this came out in 1986 when. Uh, Lost Boys, I think, came out maybe a year or two later, which had one of the best soundtracks, you know, or Rocky Four even. Um, Rocky Four even. Why do I sound like Snagglepuss? Uh, um, But going back really quick to Tony Banks. Heavens the Murgatroyd. Uh, Tony Banks did the soundtrack, and it's. I, I love the soundtrack. It's great. Outside of the fact that we romanticize a lot of the '80s movies, right. There were a lot of they 80s do. movies that have these low periods where you're just like, oh, we got to speed this up. Did it, but it didn't feel like, overall, it didn't feel slow to me no. as a movie. I wasn't like, oh, that felt like two and a half hours yeah. or whatever. And I feel like as, a, as an overall feeling, movies today, I feel like, are too long. Like, every movie is too long. And what I like about the 80s, too, is like, it is like, 90 minutes is yeah. pretty, pretty much... Average. If a movie's two hours, I think that's rare. I can't think of many movies that went two hours. When I, when we watched this and I saw the time was an hour and 45 minutes, I thought yeah. that was pretty long, actually. Yeah, right. It, I was like, whoa, yeah. same thing. It goes by fast. Yeah. I think they just put a lot in this movie. I feel like they, which is not necessarily yeah. a bad thing, but they threw the kitchen sink, you know? They, they put a lot in. Um, yeah, it was like ambitious without really needing to be (laughs) i don't know but i would be very interested to know how much the studio came in and just fucked it up because it just feels like 
yeah, he's a bike messenger. Well, he's a stockbroker. He loses it all. He's a bike messenger. But then also he's a bike messenger and his friends are involved in weird shady shit. And then he's got and then he gets involved in the shady shit, but kind of not really, but sort of. And then there's a, a, a girl runaway, but she's involved in the shady shit. But then she's kind of levendrous, but she's also like a teenager. So it's kind of weird. And then that's why he, he puts his arm around her at the end. Yeah. Right. That's why there's no kiss. Exactly. There never was a kiss. Never was a kiss. And he Actually, has yeah. he has a girlfriend and they never really break up. It's just... They never she, kiss she either, just, though. She, they never kiss either. Nope. He throws her on the bed yeah, and you're right. they cut, cut away after You're that. right. And she, but she never comes home. It's yep. just like she just never comes home. Right? Yeah. Or, or wait a minute, I'm piecing this together. Jamie Gertz at one point says, it's so empty. No, 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 no. That was when... She, never mind. No, because she still lived there. The girlfriend yes. still lived there. Yeah. That she she yeah. never... The girlfriend never gets addressed. Yep. But her cleft chin definitely does. Yeah. It's probably one of the nicest cleft chins I've ever seen in my entire life. It's very clefty. Yes. <laughs> I must say, like, that was, I think as a kid, I was even like, this is a really interesting person. And then we yeah. looked, out, looked her up on IMDb, the actress that plays uh, Rand, uh, which I guess is short for Randy. I don't know. Whitney Kershaw. She's, she's done mostly television work. You know, it's a who's who of 80s shows. It's Major Dad, Hunter, mm. uh, but nothing. Valerie, yeah. oh my gosh, Simon and Simon, L.A. Law, and then Quicksilver. Yeah. Uh, Jake and the Fat Man. Oh, these are such great shows. A lot of TV. Something Wild. Did you remember Gene Wilder had a sitcom? Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah, he had a sitcom called Something Wilder back in the day. It was a really cute Something show. He did. Yeah. In the 90s. Yep, 94, the year I graduated high school. How did I miss that? But she was, I thought she was really good in it, actually. I thought that that storyline was compelling. Um, the fact that she goes off with two guys in their car to go party yeah. is really shady. And it it, it, go, it it speaks to that underground, like, late-night partying thing, which I'm definitely yeah. not a fan of. Uh in movies or just in general? Just in general. Yeah. It's just kind of sleazy and kind of gross. Mm. And so my mind always went, yeah, what happened with those two guys? Like She, turned she, up she never bed. came home. She just didn't come home that night. No, they just wrote her character she off. She did not come home. She was a dancer and also maybe an artist. Yeah. She was part of that art scene. Yeah. That yeah. hip art scene back in the day. Yep. That was a hip scene. Which now in San Francisco, it's funny because there's a club in San Francisco, not too far from where they shot this, uh, called 111 Minna, which is, it, it, they do like happy hour dancing from mm. like five to eight mm. for all the people that, you know, don't want to be out till two in the morning and you get your dance on right after work. Wow. And uh, the captain, Mark Fong, he used to be like the captain of Minna with his wife, Winnie. Well, that's funny. So, like, uh, happy hour. Happy hour, kind of rave, dancing, grooving, DJ And then stuff. done by, like, 8 o'clock? Yep. Or then, yeah, and you're done. kind of love that. Yeah, it actually was fantastic. Uncertain, you know, during, during the summertime, yeah. you'd come out and it'd still be light out. It's such a great feeling. Yeah. So that wouldn't have worked in this movie just because... No. I'm he was <laughs> not even at dinner at his parents by the time, you know. You're, they still had three scenes to do before... <laughs> That late night scene, so yeah, that that was a yeah. long night for Jack. Yeah. And on top of that, he was reading the stock market because because he, in order to help Hector get his hot dog stand, he goes back to work as a stockbroker to make money, make enough money for him to get his hot dog, achieve his hot dog dreams, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and so he's up at at after he lets Terry's kick it at their pad after they have this you know, dragged out fight. And you see this emotional side of Terry finally, which actually Jamie Gertz does a great job of, you know, getting emotional. Yeah. In that scene. But um, the, and then cuts to him at the at his desk reading the stocks, trying to figure out what's going to work. He wakes up the next morning, presumably five in the morning when the sun rises. Terry puts a blanket on him. She goes back to bed all happy. He just opens one eye and glares at her <laughs> and then goes back to sleep. Very strange. <laughs> Very strange. I don't know if that shot is supposed to indicate that he's knowing that she's feeling feelings for him, that he's onto her, 
in some way. I don't. I, I didn't know what we were supposed to interpret about how he felt about her. Well, she she definitely has feelings for him. Yeah, because but, but his look specifically. Yeah, yeah. His look is very. He he never seems all that interested in her, and he doesn't really seem all that interested in anything in this movie. Really. No, no. He's kind of just. He just wants to be like a hermit of the bike scene. He's kind of yeah. And 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 when he, I love when she gets dolled up. You know, after she goes over to his house yeah. and, and interrupts her uh, his little relationship. Uh, the next scene, you see her hair, which was always pulled back, and she had a knit cap on. She's now got this this dolled out. It is like sprawling her hair. <laughs> yeah, with a full on makeup. So job. much mascara and eyeshadow. It's like bright blue. Yeah, it's yeah. really kind. Of, it's really it's like, sad in a way because yeah. you know that she's gonna get the worst. But also, yeah. But why? Because her her character is also like like a uh, compulsive liar for some reason. Yeah. And it's never really addressed why. No. Like we don't understand. We don't know what happened with her past or whatever. She, she comes from a broken home. She's a broken home liar. And we don't even know if she's lying about the fact that how she got to his house. Yeah. And we don't even know if the fact that she's lying at the end when she tells him she wants to be a paramedic. Yeah. Yeah, because she's like, I get to save people and drive an ambulance. <laughs> yeah, you Six made... month program. It's great. <laughs> Isn't that when you said it's basically how Trump describes things? <laughs> it is. It's just like the right, the, like the simplest, dumbest ways. It's just like, yeah, I got to. Things are great, and I got to drive an ambulance, and the economy. No, she wouldn't even. Uh, uh, well, she's know. not even. She's not even. I mean, she's not the sharpest tool in the shed. But if if we're to imply, if it's implied that she's a teenager. Or 18. Let's say yeah. she's 18. 18. Yeah, okay, we'll give her 18. Yeah. yeah. I think that makes me feel a little... Yeah. And that'll help yeah. me sleep at night. Yeah, she's 18. She's 18, in for our purposes. We're not going to quote the winger story. song, 17. <laughs> Daddy says she's too young, but she's old enough for me. Uh, even though I just did. That's a horrible line. What a horrible song. What a horrible person. <laughs> Kip Winger, how dare you? Um, <laughs> I... Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I feel feel fine about <laughs> having seen it again. You know, do I need to see it again anytime soon? No. I mean, I love this yeah. movie. I what even with its shortcomings, at the end of it, I I, I still I don't know. I'm, I'm like humming as bad as the end song is. I'm still humming it. We're running in the night. Oh, the feeling is right. Humming doesn't involve uh, singing. Well, just, my, my version of humming just, is a falsetto sing, so <laughs> it's, a, it's a glandular problem. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I am. Um, do Do you want to depress the audience now with some facts that happened in 1986? <laughs> well, I was thinking about that because I realized, oh no, um, it came out in 1986, the same year that American Anthem did, and are we going to go down the same laundry list of uh, notable moments or? Are we going to stick more to, like, uh, happy things? Which I'll say in a depressed tone. Okay. <laughs> oh, the most famous person in America was probably Paul Hogan. <clears throat> now, how how do we... What's the measuring system for that? Okay, like, so... Popular person... <laughs> I, have to, I have to say, I went on this website called popculturemadness.com, for those of you that are interested, and they have a very interesting way of... Um, pulling up fun facts from 1986. And apparently they believe that the most famous person in America was probably Paul Hogan. It was probably. Um, why was... Why not? Sure. Okay. So, uh, because Crocodile Dundee was one of the most popular movies at the time? Sure, that could be... Yeah. So outside of, uh, yeah, in the Chernobyl and the... I guess, but didn't we determine that Crocodile Dundee didn't come out till like later in 1986? Yeah, like towards the tail end. Right. So he wouldn't be he would be popular for the last three months, and then that would. <laughs> that that's very odd, and yeah, and the number one grossing movie of that year was Top Gun. So, right. so wouldn't Tom you say Cruise? Tom Cruise? Yeah, it's really odd that they that they brought that up. There was only one Crocodile Dundee movie where, if you break it down, like Tom Cruise was probably in several movies in 1986. Oh, that's this site. This site isn't reliable to me anymore. <laughs> no, I can't rely on this. I, I thought I could rely on you, Pop Culture Madness, for all of my facts. I mean, there there's some fun things you in Paul here. Paul Hogan though. measurements of popularity. <laughs> I was going to go tell everybody. I love how it says it's probably, probably the yeah. most popular man. 
You know, I think the most probably the most popular color of that of 1986 <laughs> was blue. Because I saw it a lot. You know, the, you know what the num- the favorite number was of 1986? Uh, I think it was 1986. Yeah, uh, I was going to say 13, but just randomly. Yes, I was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was. Uh, and then we've got we've got we've got the most popular show at the time was the Cosby Show. Right. Oh. Right. America's oh my dad. America's self-described dad. But if you go down that Ugh. list of outside of that show, you've got Family Ties, Cheers, Murder, She Wrote, Golden Girls, Night Court, Growing Pains, Moonlighting, Who's the Boss? These are like iconic yeah. shows yep. that have really stood the test of time. Yep. And then yep. The Cosby Show. Um, wow. Wow. And then shows like the real Ghostbusters came out, and My Pet Monster. You're a big. You're not a fan of My Pet Monster, are you? I well, you know, my brother had one. I, I just didn't. Um, I didn't really, understand the point. I, yeah, I didn't get the point. <laughs> it's a stuffed animal with a with a chain on it. But they really advertised it like My Pet Monster. Yeah. But I don't know. Take him with you yeah. on, on on a picnic. Um. <laughs> Yeah, Top Gun, as you said. Yeah, it was the number one movie. Number one movie. Yeah. So what's this probably Crocodile? Come on. I know. Or Paul again. Golden Child. Yeah. It's crazy to me, too, that uh, in the top three, it was Top Gun, Crocodile Dundee, and Platoon. Platoon is such a depressing film. Um, I'm not not to say that depressing movies uh, shouldn't be in the top ten, but typically the top grossing movies are like blockbusters and like fun yeah. comedies or the fact that Platoon, right. which arguably is one of the most depressing war movies ever. It's probably a different podcast. Yes. For us. I mean, I guess so. And get into the depression. Uh, but you're right. Yeah. yeah. Depressing yeah. Vietnam movies. Yeah. Um, it's just surprising to me yeah. that it, that it beat out Karate Kid part two for the number three spot. Right. But again, like we don't have any quantifiable numbers. This is just some site. That... Yes. Well, this is from Box Office Mojo. Okay. But I want like number, like it could be beat it out by like a dollar. That's I mean? very true. It could have ran in in uh, more theaters. This is true. Uh, I don't know. From a global perspective, more people are probably watching Platoon because of its historical significance than they are Daniel LaRusso's second yeah. bout. Yeah. Do you know anybody who says, oh, my number one movie of all time is Platoon? No. That's a good thing, I think. No, but I, I don't know, other than you, I, I don't know of any many people that I can name their favorite movie. Really? Yeah. You know, I know people like, oh, I enjoy that movie or whatever, but like, it's my number one movie. It's my you know what I mean? Desert Island pick. I don't think Platoon would make a lot of Desert Island picks. No, no. <laughs> No. Or My Pet Monster as a Desert Island toy. Would Quicksilver make a Desert Island pick? Um, for me, it, it would be in my top 20. There's no way. There's no way Quicksilver is a top, like a Desert Island. Like you're by yourself and you only have this many movies you're going to, no. Well, how many movies could I pick? Um, I'm going to say five. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Then I, I already yeah, know. Yeah, because it can't just be like my entire, like your entire collection <laughs> to bring on a desert island, desert island. Zach, it's time to get on the plane. You've got... Uh, you've got to take whatever you want, and that's it. Okay, can I take my entire DVD collection? Right. Do you want to take any clothes with you? No. No. Do you want to take your child with yeah. you? No. Your wife? No. No. Your twenty. Your your, your razor. <laughs> no. Uh, your toothbrush. <laughs> your uh, manscaping beard. Yep. Tri- trimmer. Yep. No. Your copy of Quicksilver. Yep. Yep. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, in this scenario, yeah, you have right. something to watch it. You're with. right. You know, you have a, you, whatever, you have a DVD player and a, and a so nice, and a 65 inch television. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but if I was, you know, five, five movies to okay. me is like alone on an island level. Yeah. Number. And Quicksilver's not, it's not going to be Quicksilver. No, no. no. Quicksilver's going to be in my top 20 though. Yeah. Maybe top 30 after watching it today. I don't know. See, because this is this is an important discussion because I think, that, and and kind of a good like therapy for us because we unravel these movies. Yes, we revisit these movies, movies that hold a special place in our heart from the '80s. But we watch them now. This could evolve into a whole other, a whole other thing. Like yes. your, your top thirty by the time we're done recording all these episodes could be like, you hate you know like it. It could just be the Warriors. 
Yes. And then a bunch of uh, then a, and then like a bunch of movies from the late '90s. That's true. Like um, Gleaming uh, the Cube. Yeah, that was '90. Yeah, I think that was '89 actually. But that's cu- yeah, that's the cusp. Yes. But just like you know, like you, your your top thirty is just like the Shawshank Redemption and the Godfather and like all the top thirty movies that like for everybody in the world. <laughs> it will it's not be Shawshank and Godfather, but Shawshank might no. wait, make its make its way. Shawshank is a good movie. Shawshank is well, I'm not. Yeah. They're both amazing yeah. films, and Shawshank at one point was in my top ten, but now it's not in my top twenty, even though I love it. But it's I love these movies for different reasons. I love Quicksilver again for the way I felt about it at the time. I was I mean I I uh, five years ago or no a little a little over almost ten years ago got a bike finally got a bike that looked like the Quicksilver bike. Yeah, a buddy of mine built it from scratch. What da- from everything and down what? to the white handlebars. It was it was exactly huh? what I wanted. From the he built it for you? Yeah, for me. What? For my birthday. That's the coolest body ever. It was such a great gift. And then I took it out uh, to shoot our engagement photos with my now wife. And um, we parked it uh, oh, and oh, locked no. it on the oh, beach no. oh, with no. two oh, other no. bikes. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. And we Shut walked down up. the beach. And Shut when we up. came back. Shut your face. Two of the bikes were still there. My bike that I only have for about a week. Oh, uh, my God. It's horrible. Yeah. Uh, I'm really sad. <laughs> That's horrible. So the caveat, if I'm using that word correctly. Did you tell your friend? Yeah. You had to, right? And, yeah. And he said, oh, he's, you know, he's not as bummed out as I was, clearly. But what? he was going to build me a new one. Never did. Right. Because it uh, probably took him 17 years to build that yeah, first one. Finding the right the right frame like he's like i gave him several different pictures from the movie and he goes i will i will create recreate oh this bike for you god they, so the lesson here is don't get engaged don't. that's really the lesson <laughs> that i learned from this lesson here is 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 uh, Ooh, the, uh get a get a low jack on on your bike i suppose yeah bike thieves i know the bike thieves i never and i i've had a glimpse a few times of finding it what i thought was my bike but i never recovered it but I did, uh, within the past five years, buy a new one that looks 99% close to that. Oh, you just bought it? Um, I pieced it together. Nice. Like a pure fix, single nice. speed. So, it's, I mean, it's not, it's not, not the same vintage look, but it's pretty close. Oh, man. Okay. But I was obsessed. Uh, I guess I'm a little happier now. To the point that I wanted a bike that looked just like Kevin Bacon's bike. And then I told I you earlier, it. I had a, I wanted, I wore a vest like him because I thought it was cool. I wanted to wear a long sleeve shirt with shoulder pads and elbow pads on it, um, which I yeah. figured out was probably a military thing. Uh, and I wanted maybe, to, but that could be from popculture.com and their facts. Yeah, how like, dare like you? It was probably a military thing. Yes, probably, <laughs> probably just like Paul Hogan yeah. was probably the most yeah. popular. It's the same. Um, here's a here's a fun fact from yes. 1986. Twelve members of a Florida jury got stuck in a courthouse elevator, an Otis elevator, for 20 minutes. The jurors were hearing a case against the Otis elevator company at the time. Oh, that's crazy. Otis clearly lost the case. Yeah. Paying 130, blah, 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 blah. That's Um, a crazy story, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad they just got stuck and it didn't like. Well, yeah, I'm glad. No, collapse. I'm, we're not going to go. Or, we're, yeah, we're not going to go. Because you like to, yeah, you like to lead with like, uh, you know, Challenger and Supermodel Gia died of AIDS. <laughs> we're not going to. Um, no, we're going to go down like top ten baby names yeah. of 1980. <laughs> right. The hotties and fashion icons. What was the top ten? Were the top ten baby names? I mean, if it Jessica, Ashley, Amanda, Jennifer, Sarah, Michael, Chris, Topher. Oh, they Matthew, just combine them. Joshua and David. Oh, I see. Like five. Yeah. Five female and five. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Michael, Matthew, Joshua, and David have, and Chris, have really sustained. I'm, um, I'm going to say Topher, not so much. No. Amanda, not so much. Even though right. Amanda Jones in Some Kind of Wonderful. Yes. That was, that was the first time I heard that name, and I'm like, ooh, that, I kind of like that. that 86, maybe? Yeah. I, I think it was 86. Jessica Ashley... Who really cares? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but yeah. and then and, you know on top of that they, we've got uh, the top song was that's what friends are for. Oh no, which just no, happened no, to be no. 
We already talked about this. We already did, but there's a there's a relevance to this. It just happened to come out the same week. It was, it was on top the same week Quicksilver came out in the theaters. Okay. So there's your connection. Got it. Got it. My f- favorite song of 1986, probably definitely Lightning by Roger Daltrey. I was one of them. Your favorite song in 86. <laughs> was one of one of them. Did you know that the uh, the price of a Cabbage Patch Kid was twenty nine ninety seven? <laughs> very expensive. Very expensive. And double A batteries cost three dollars and thirty eight cents. How many is in a pack? Four pack. That's expensive. That's expensive too. Yeah. They're not that expensive anymore. No. Good uh, work. Battery inflation. <laughs> And oh, and by the way, the funny guy in 1986 was Robin Williams. Right. And why is it capitalized? <laughs> the funny guy. The funny guy. That's weird. This is weird. This is a weird sight. <laughs> anyway, Quicksilver, go check it out. Thanks for listening. <laughs> bye bye. Um, PopcultureMadness.com. Check it out. No, I, 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 yeah, I agree with you. This movie, uh, just like re- talking about ones we have in the past, it doesn't hold the same uh, emotional feeling, but I was happy to revisit it. Yeah. And ride the lightning. Lightning! Dude, I am lightning! Roger Dolce, take us out, baby. Yeah. Breaking these chains. No, trade, trading. I'm trading these chains for. Right. I don't need to be a stop. By the way, you can't find the lyrics to this uh, online. Yeah, it's no one has it listed. I checked like what ten different lyric sites. They don't have it. Something on Roger Daltrey's private. No, nope. I can't find it. So there was a time when my band uh, Chuck Norris Action Pants back in the day. Right. We could choose. We we went around. And you could choose whatever <laughs> covers you want. You could choose three covers. <laughs> this was one of the three. <laughs> Time has a way of pulling me apart. And something like that. Oh, All I have left now is you. I cannot wait to see what the response is to this film. To this film? Like, meaning like... And the song. When people... Like, what are their thoughts on it? Oh, right. Like, the interactive element yes. of people talking about... Yeah. All right, folks. We fit that time. Thank you, as always, for listening to Two Dollar Late Fee. We love you. We'll see you next time. Catch you on the flip side. TTFN and don't forget Lightning doo doo I am Lightning doo 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 Alright, thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a four... Is it five-star rating? <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We really... Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. If you listen to us on Spotify, that's great, too. And you can find us on the internet. <laughs> Don't forget to check out our website at $2LateFee.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcast. We'll see you next time. We did it. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.